0: stuff.
1: Yeah. But from the email that I got from Mark it said that that was the best recording we've ever had.
0: I know there was a blibble
1: Hi, right. so hopefully this one goes as well. We're going to keep our fingers crossed that all yeah. technical difficulties have been corrected. So, welcome to the new us. Yay! Look at Hi, us doing in. stuff and things.
0: And I'm, I'm Tammy. Rind. And I'm Tammy and I'm Rin and I'm Tammy and we're us and we're good and and this is
1: I love a good rabbit hole. Yay. <laughs> Good Lord.
0: excited <laughs> for life.
1: Well, at least we got it in within the first minute of recording instead of, you know, like fifteen minutes in, right? But, hey, you know, again, we're learning, we're growing. we're evolving. We're doing stuff and things.
0: I'm walking here. I'm walking here. So how's your day? Um, well, we did a bunch of cleaning because we're having a sleepover on Saturday. And I had a meltdown while cleaning because I have ADHD. Mm -hmm. And, like, I was trying to, like, put stuff in a box to, like, then disperse those items where I went. But then, like, everything started going in the box. And then I started looking at the box and I started panicking. Uh. And I was like, I can't. And then I was like, Mark, help. And then I set my... I Mark wanted to buy a rug for our dining room. And I... He's like, ah, can you get me a tape measure? I want to measure to make sure we're buying the right size. He's like, I don't want to spend a bunch of money on a rug and it not be the right size. And so I go to get the rug and I have my AirPods in my hand. And then a little while later, I don't have my AirPods in my hand. And I'm like, mother fuzz-a-duck. I didn't know where my AirPods were. Luckily, I found them. Okay. Because I need five different pairs of wireless headphones. I need to get a new pair of wireless headphones. You need to invest in a good pair.
1: Oh, I do have a good pair. These ones have been with me for almost two years. And they the battery just started going <clears throat> downhill on them. So it's time for me to get another pair.
0: Okay. So, hi. I'm your bougie friend. Mm-hmm. There are a few things in this world that I will spend money on. I buy expensive purses. We're not talking like Louis Vuitton level expensive. But we are talking like Kate Spade Dooney Burke coach level. Okay. I also buy expensive makeup, at least expensive eyeshadow. We're talking like you know, Urban Decay, uh, uh, Anastasia Beverly Hill. I do have a few Pat McGrath. You know, like sixty, seventy dollar eyeshadow palettes. At least okay. one of them was one hundred and twenty five dollars. I paid three dollars for mine at Walmart. <laughs> You wonder
1: why I don't know what these handbags are that you're talking
0: about. Okay. I know what I'm getting you next time for, for Christmas and or for your birthday. It's probably going to be some like eyeshadow because um, you just, it's, it's fun to play with. Okay. I mean, I also have some lower end eyeshadow pal- palettes like ColourPop and um, Morphe, which are beautiful. I have the Morphe Lisa Frank eyeshadow palette. It's gorgeous. It's like rainbow and I love to play with all the color. I will also buy myself a few pairs of expensive shoes, but I will also buy myself some less expensive pairs of shoes. Yeah. But I will blow some money on some headphones. (laughs) And when I say I have five pairs, no, six pairs of wireless headphones. I have the Beats over the head, like big chunk chonkies. Mm -hmm. Okay. They're in rose gold. I have the Beats. Totally wireless, little over-the-ear ear things. I have Bose in-ear. I have Apple Pros. I also have these little anime ones that make my ears look like little elves. And then I just have, like, a pair of inexpensive ones that were, like, 20 bucks from Amazon that are waterproof. Okay. That was six pairs of headphones. And I literally have to rotate them all, like, continually because I'm constantly listening to to podcasts and music all day. Yeah. But the Apple ones that I bought, the pros are glorious for one major reason. They are noise canceling. And I will tell you, there is nothing quite as beautiful as a pair of noise canceling headphones for somebody who has ADHD and sound sound sensitivities. I,
1: even my, maybe I don't have the best quality. I don't know. Even my quote-unquote noise-canceling headphones don't cancel out noise.
0: Oh, my God. Because I can still hear shit. Like, the Apple ones, I had no idea how amazing they were. Or, like, because, like, I thought my Bose ones were noise-canceling, but they weren't. And then I put in the Apple ones, and I was just like, like, Mark can talk to me, and I'll be be like, (laughs) I'll just look at him like, you're talking to me? Like, hang on. Yes. Like, they're so good. I'm so glad I bought them at Christmas time when they were like fifty dollars off because paying two hundred and fifty dollars for a pair of headphones is a little bit of a choke. But again, I have idiot but I mean I will buy clothing from Sheen where it's like twelve dollars for a shirt. I love Sheen. I know. Love Sheen. I will not spend a lot of money on clothing. Except for jeans because I have a fat ass and I need to have by you know. I have to spend more money because you have to buy more material, which is stupid. Mm -hmm. Except, you know, I hate that. So I'm going to advocate, excuse (laughs) me, as I go up on a pulpit to advocate for skinny bitches everywhere. And I'm not calling you a skinny bitch because you're a bitch. I'm just saying skinny bitches because we fat bitches and we skinny bitches. We all bitches Mm -hmm. because because bitches got to stick together. We bitches. Yes. So skinny bitches everywhere. I'm sorry for you. Cause I have to pay more money. Because they gotta use more clo- more material to make my fat pants. But they don't use, they don't let you pay less for your skinnier clothes. Mm. And I don't think that's fair. Cause for the extra small, it's not two dollars less, but for the extra extra large, it's five dollars more. What the hell? They don't look charge, at me, I don't understand. They it. upcharge for the fat people, but they don't downcharge for the skinny people. Like, not fair. Like, I think the people who are the mediums should get charged the normal price. The extra, extra small should get charged $2 less. And the extra, extra largest should get charged $2 more. The middle people should just be the same. Or how about just not upcharge anybody and charge everybody the same damn price. And make the clothes fit. Right. And that's where... Universal sizes would be great. Yeah.
1: I, I actually miss the idea of tailored clothing, Mm. Like it, it used to be the norm right. to have form-fitting clothes, and now you have to deal with whatever you have. Anyway,
0: we're not talking about clothes today. No, we're not. What are we talking about today? I forgot.
1: Today we are talking about dun 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 ghost ships and maritime mysteries. I was going to say bananas, but no, not anywhere close.
0: That's right. You are telling the story, so let me. Do nothing. (laughs) What are we drinking today? Oh, and you know what? I got myself like the extra caffeinated drink so I can interrupt you a whole bunch. Oh, good. I'm so glad. It's the 240 milligrams of caffeine. Rockstar. I'm on it. Okay. Yeah. You're all over it. So when are we talking? What?
1: Uh, you frozen. And now you're burping at me. My bad. (laughs) Okay, today we are talking about ghost ships and maritime mysteries. It's one of my, I I think I say this a lot, one of my favorite subjects. Anything spooky, scary, I I love it. I absolutely love it. Just don't jump out at me because then you're going to get punched in the throat. So here we go. Let's get into it. Um, Okay, for those of you who don't know, bless you, what a ghost ship is. No. It sounded like you burnt.
0: Oh, I Went boo, and I tried to jump out at you. Oh, yeah. No.
1: (laughs) I'm going to say that might be a little bit of a glitch, so I would mark it (laughs) if I were you. 9.50. (laughs) Okay. Two hours later. My bad. Okay. So, um, for those of you who don't know what a ghost ship is, I'm fixing to learn you. A ghost ship, also known as a phantom ship, (laughs) I know. Why why don't you just do it already? Uh, A ghost ship, is also known as a phantom ship, is a vessel with no living crew aboard. It may be a fictional ghost vessel, such as the Flying Dutchman, or a physical derelict found adrift with its crew missing or dead like the Mary Celeste. The term is sometimes used for ships that have been decommissioned but not yet scrapped, as well as drifting boats that have been found after breaking loose of their ropes and becoming carried away by the winds or the waves. So that's the definition of a ghost ship, in case you're ever wondering.
0: There is one ghost ship that is my favorite ghost ship to hear about. I hope you have the story on it. I think that I might. it's my favorite one it seriously is like i would love to see it like it would be so cool to see it but i think it's sank by now okay well we'll we'll see if i have it okay i get chills thinking
1: about okay. it <laughs> that's why i sent you that message that said get your caffeine and your security blanket because this one's going to give you the goose jiggles as you call them um, so the first one we're going to talk about is the Mary Celeste. That is probably the most well-known ghost ship. Yeah. Um, it's often erroneously referred to as the Marie Celeste, but it's not. It's the Mary Celeste, M-A-R-Y. Oh. It, is, it, it was an American registered merchant, twin-masted brigantine, also known for being discovered adrift and deserted in the Atlantic Ocean off the, and I'm going to mispronounce this, Azros Islands on December 4th in 1872. Okay. The Canadian brigantine de Gracia found her in a disheveled but seaworthy condition under partial sail with her lifeboat missing. The last entry in her log was dated 10 days earlier. She had left New York City for Genoa on November 7th and was still amply provisioned when found. Okay. You might want to re that. The last entry in her log was dated ten days earlier. She had left New York City for Genoa on november seventh and was still amply provisioned when found. Good? Good. Good. Okay. Uh, her cargo of alcohol was intact, and the captains and crew's personal belongings were undisturbed. None of those who had been on board were ever seen or heard from again. Dun dun dun. dun, dun. <laughs> The Mary Celeste was built in Spencer Island, Nova Scotia, and launched under British registration as Amazon in 1861.
0: So it was, she the was Amazon? Transfer-
1: yes, it was originally named the Amazon. She was transferred to American ownership and registered... Uh, to American ownership and registration in 1868 when she acquired her new name. Thereafter, she sailed uneventfully until her 1872 voyage. At the salvage hearings in Gibraltar following her recovery, the court's officers considered various possibilities of foul play, including mutiny by Mary Celeste's crew, piracy by the De Gracia crew, or others, and conspiracy to carry out insurance or salvage fraud. No convincing evidence supported these theories, but unresolved suspicions led to a relatively low salvage award. The inconclusive nature of the hearings fostered continued speculation as the nature of the mystery, and the story has repeatedly been complicated by false detail and fantasy. Hypotheses that have been advanced include the effects of the on the crew of alcohol fumes rising from the cargo submarine earthquakes water spouts attacks by a giant squid and paranormal intervention at this point in time nobody knows why or how the mary celeste was just found floating now if you know anything about maritime laws mysteries anything the straits of gibraltar are extremely difficult to navigate extremely difficult. So this thing made it all the way around the rock of Gibraltar through its straits and back out into open sea with nobody at the helm. Right. So how does that happen? <laughs> and more importantly, where did everybody go?
0: I mean, I know there's a lot of, a lot of speculation about what happened because mm. there's the idea that the alcohol, because when the people from the one ship, um, the ah Frig, what was it called again? The degracia Yeah, the degracia When that one showed up, there was water on the boat about um, like two or three feet worth and oh. there was something about that the alcohol that was on the ship wasn't, I mean, it wasn't like drinking alcohol. It was actually like, um, it was like a grain alcohol that okay. wasn't drinkable. But if, uh the because these weren't like you know this wasn't like barrels that was like sealed and like super you know sturdy and stuff that one of them started leaking mm. and that it was actually you know noxious fumes were coming were like seeping out um and that to that the people on the ship um were becoming like nauseated and stuff like that so they actually like went onto the lifeboat and, like kind of like we're like kind of like floating along behind the ship to get fresh air but that the mm. that the lifeboat um went loose and they weren't able to catch back up to the ship the ship started to float away oh. and that they were like abandoned and huh. died a really crappy death at sea huh. interesting yeah that's well that's one of the theories
1: either way we will never know but
0: it, it's interesting
1: and creepy to think of a boat floating around that area all by itself and not running aground or hitting something else. Right, That's pretty freaking amazing.
0: I mean, it would so, be so yeah. weird to like, I, I mean, first of all, like the ocean is massive, like massive. Mm. Um mm. And to be another ship and to just see a ship out there. Right. So, I mean, that's like an airplane seeing another airplane in the sky. Like, Hey, up. What
1: That's you- not supposed to be there. Right?
0: You know, I mean, to see another ship yeah. at sea, and then for that ship to be abandoned would be just... Yeah. I would not want to be the boarding
1: party to find a ghost ship. Like, I would not volunteer as tribute on that. Like, Hell no. no. I'd be like, just I'd be like, Mm-mm. no. Mm-mm. I'd be like, I ain't got no, no. short straw. Okay. <laughs> mm, right? Yeah. I'm the black kid. I'm the first person to die. I think I'm going to keep my ass on land. Thank you right? so very much. Right? <laughs> Okay, so this one, and you had mentioned it to me, so I'm almost wondering if it's you, if it if this is the one you were talking about. Oh. But this one is called the Orang Madame. Oh my
0: god, I love this story. It's so fascinating. Yeah.
1: It's fascinating and it's twisted, but it can't be proven or disproven, and that's oh. where my mind is blown. Yeah. Okay. So
0: also the name of the ship the story, is awesome.
1: Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, according to the story. At some point um, in time on or around June of 1947, and this is coming from Wikipedia, by the way. Okay. Uh Gaddis and and others list the approximate date as early February 1948. Mm -hmm. Two American vessels navigating the Straits of Malacca, the city of Baltimore, and the Silver Star, those are the names of the two ships, among others passing by, picked up several distress messages from the nearby Dutch merchant ship Orang Medan. A radio operator aboard the troubled vessel sent the following message in Morse code. SOS from Orang Medan. We float. All officers, including the captain, dead in chart room and on the bridge. Probably whole crew of, excuse me, probably whole of crew dead. A few confused dots and dashes of Morse code later, two words came through clearly. They were, I die. Then after that chilling message, there was nothing more heard of. uh, that right there I'd be like can we just go in the opposite direction because I don't want to I don't want (laughs) to know so yeah no no just send me in the opposite way so when the Silver Star Curry eventually located and boarded the apparently undamaged Orang Medan in an attempt at a rescue the ship was found littered with corpses including the carcass of a dog everywhere the dead bodies found sprawled on their backs The frozen and allegedly badly frightened faces of the deceased upturned to to the sun above with mouths gaping open and eyes staring straight ahead with the corpses resembling horrible caricatures. That just, that's already going to give me nightmares Uh, just reading that that part.
0: That's awful. Maybe we should have added a, uh, we're a little little, warning. trigger warning. There may be um, unpleasant (laughs) mental visuals are bad. Yes. Yeah.
1: Uh, We got to get better at those trigger warnings, man. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, our bad. (laughs) Um, So, no survivors were located and no visible signs of injuries on the dead bodies were observed. Just as the ship was to be prepared for a tow by the Silver Star to a nearby port, a fire then suddenly broke out on the ship's number four cargo hold, forcing the boarding. boarding party to hastily evacuate the doomed Dutch freighter, thus preventing any further investigation to be carried out. Soon after, the orang Medan was witnessed exploding before finally sinking.
0: Okay, you're going to have to back up and say that again.
1: Okay. Um, Just as the ship was prepared... For a tow by Silver Star to a nearby port, a fire then suddenly broke out in the ship's number 4 cargo hold, forcing the boarding party to hastily evacuate the doomed freighter, thus preventing any further investigations to be carried out. Soon after, the Orang Medan was witnessed exploding before finally sinking.
0: The
1: SS Orang Medan was supposed... Pose was a supposed ghost ship which, according to various sources, became a shipwreck in the Dutch East Indies, modern Indonesia, in the Straits of Malacca waters or elsewhere after its entire crew had died under suspicious circumstances. So the Orang Medan, a lot of people agree that the story of it was an urban legend due to the fact that there was never any ship named the Orang Medan. It was never registered. Oh, weird. At all. Um, And the circumstances, they are unsure of when the story was told. It was either 1940, 1947 or 1948, depending on the newspaper articles that you read. So the Orang Medan, it's, it it literally helped form the movie ghost ship. They actually kind of combined the Orang Medan with the Marie Celeste and the Gracia, So it's kind of all meshed into one, but the Orang I find really, really interesting because even though it was never registered, there was a lot of boats, submarines, ships and things like that in the 40s uh-huh. that did go missing. And a lot of them weren't registered, especially ones out of Eastern Europe, because this was...
0: There was another ship that I, I remember hearing about that was up in... Um- like Alaska area, and now I don't remember what that ship name was. It was a frozen ship that's also had a really fascinating story. Oh, ghost ships are was so a, fascinating.
1: There was a couple of those, um, like the I, I think it was the MV Javante. Oh, that's um, a cool name. There's a couple of uh, fishing trawlers that were really really weird to hear about, and there was a couple that I heard um, of. Ships up in Alaska and the Arctic that had gone missing. There was
0: one that the, it was supposed, it was, it was a ship that was built to go up into the Arctic area and it was going to carry back like fox pelts and things like that. Mm -hmm. And, it was trying to get back before the winter hit and it didn't make it through like they had an early winter or something and the crew managed to get off the ship before like they they made it onto like an ice floe or something and they were going to wait out the winter nearby and like they had like had built a little village or something but like something happened mm-hmm. and the ship ended up breaking free of the ice floe and ended up going back into an ice like the ice took the ship away from them, I don't remember the name of the ship, but it was such a fascinating story. And I thought it was the Orang Medan, but I guess I was wrong. But the whole I die, fuck that, no, yeah, Mm-mm. I would yeah. not go into that ship. I- Mm-mm.
1: See, it's really interesting because a lot of people are like, oh, it's an urban legend. It's a fairy tale or whatever. But there are very specific things in there. The way that they describe the people, um, the time that it went down, the area where the fire broke out, that they were able to say it was in the ship's number four. Yeah whatever. It's like, there are specific things. And of course, every urban legend, like you have talked about several times before, starts somewhere. It has a beginning.
0: Every myth has some sort of truth.
1: Exactly. And then whether it gets blown out of proportion or whatever, people, you know, add their own spin to it. Like, I don't know. I think there wasn't a ring Medan. It may not have been registered. It may have been carrying, and that's one of the theories is that the Orang Medan was unregistered because it was actually carrying chemical gas. Oh. Yeah. Uh, this again is right in the middle of world war two mm-hmm. or towards the very end of world war two. And there were experiments that we did not know about. Uh-huh. So it, it is very possible that the Orang Madan did happen and it might've had some sort of trigger switch that if something happens, it was going to sink, but it's never been found. It, there's a possibility it might never be found, but it's still a very interesting no, story. No, the
0: ocean is just so vast. I mean. It is.
1: There was one story that I, I chose not to tell, but it's still really interesting. It was some sort of um, uh, sh- vessel that was carrying what equals today something like to f- three or $400 billion dollars And Spanish gold coins, jewelry, blah blah blah, and it it sunk somewhere out uh in the English Channel. They're never getting that back. No, ever. I mean, because the English Channel, yeah. Exactly. And, you know, Matt and I were talking, he's like, oh no, it could possibly be found. Oh, it could possibly be found, but we're never going to get to it unless literally we go tank girl style and all the water in the world dries up. That's about the only way we're going to find that shit.
0: three words, two words for you. Brush your teeth. Brush your teeth. <laughs> you're looking... And you're frozen. Still frozen. And how about now? Still frozen. Yeah. We have sound though. So I'm not really worried about being frozen. Can you hear me? And we're still frozen. Okay, I'm gonna write down this timestamp. Oh, there you are. <laughs> okay. So we will go with 27.5 frozen. Okay. Okay. So the next one. Okay.
1: This one is interesting. This one uh, is a little bit longer. That's fine. But you know, whatever. Um, this one is called the Carol A. Deering. Oh. This is another ghost ship, very and this fancy. is. Very, very interesting.
0: Sounds like you want to have yes. tea with
1: her. Um, she's <laughs> Um. Okay. So the Carol A. Deering was built in Bath, Maine, which, by the way, I've always wanted to visit Bath because.
0: Would you take a, a cool bath
1: Maine. there? Um. Anyway. Or would you just take a shower? Maybe. If they had one. If they had one big enough for me, yeah, I'd totally take a bath in Bath. My bath is big enough for you.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a, I I have a jacuzzi bath. I know. Audi loves anyway, Addy taking okay. a bath in my bath. She's like, can I take a bath in mom and dad's bath?
1: <laughs> okay. So the Carol A. Deering was built in Bath, Maine in 1919 by the G.G. Deering Company for commercial use. The owner of the company named the ship after his son. One of the large commercial sailing vessels, the ship was designed to carry cargo and had been in service for a year when it began its final voyage to Rio de Janeiro, Brazil on July 19th 1920th the daring sailed from puerto rico and arrived at newport news to pick up a coal excuse me a cargo of coal for the delivery to rio de janeiro the ship was captained by william h merritt a hero of world war I, who had been cited for bravery under fire for saving his entire crew when his previous command the daring built five-masted schooner dorothy b barrett was sunk by the german submarine off of cape may new jersey in 1918 and that scares the hell out of me hold on just a minute how far was lost okay so let's start this again okay hopefully without the freezing okay carol a deering was built in bath maine in 1919 by the gg Deering company yes By the G.G. Deering Company for commercial use. The owner of the company named the ship after his son. One of the largest commercial sailing vessels, the ship was designed to carry cargo and had been in service for a year when its final voyage to Rio de Janeiro began. On July 19th, uh, 2020... Bob, 2020!
0: (laughs) Right? (laughs)
1: Okay, on July 19, 1920, the Deering sailed from Puerto Rico and arrived at Newport News to pick up a cargo of coal for delivery to Rio de Janeiro. The ship was captained by William H. Merritt a hero of World War I who had been cited for bravery under fire for saving his entire crew when the previous command, oops, sorry, excuse me, the Deering-built five-masted schooner Dorothy B. Barrett was sunk by a German submarine off Cape May, New Jersey, 1918. What scares me about that is a lot of people in America really don't realize how close the Germans were to America. In both World War I and World War II? I mean, we knew we had Germans infiltrating America both times. Yes. Um, but did you know that there was actually um, a spot off of the North Carolina coast where there is something like probably close to a dozen of German U-boats that were sinking our ships off of the North Carolina coast?
0: I mean, I wasn't alive, so I wasn't really aware.
1: Yeah, that, and um, there's also been German U-boats that have been sound, found sunk um, off the Gulf of Mexico. Here's a question for you. Why are they called U-boats? I don't remember why. I, I mean, I, I I knew at one point, but I don't remember
0: were they why in the shape they were of called
1: a... U-boats. No.
0: Oh.
1: No. They I mean, that wouldn't have been German very, submarines.
0: I mean, I mean, it's not like Hitler made very, you know, wise items. I mean, he made the one bouncing bomb. Hmm. Yeah. The bouncing bomb was kind of dumb. All right.
1: (gasps) Well, so was a lot of other things he did. But anyway.
0: I mean, he did one Um, thing
1: good. He gave us the 40-hour work week?
0: No, he killed Hitler. Who killed? Wait, what? Hitler.
1: I thought you were talking about Hitler. I was. Oh, he killed. Uh, Okay, there it is. (laughs) Moving on.
0: (laughs) Man, that took a second to sink in. It
1: really did. It took longer to process than it should have, but whatever. It's Moving not. on. Okay. Um. So let's see. Merritt's son, Seawall, was his first mate and had a 10-man crew made up entirely of Scandinavians, mostly Danes. Seawall? On August 26th, 1920, the daring... What?
0: Seawall?
1: Yeah. I, I don't know. Don't ask me. I mean, uh, that this, kid was this meant is, to be a sailor. It was yeah.
0: <laughs> it was My a um name. My name I like turtles.
1: Well, he also named his son Carol, so we're really not giving him a whole lot of <laughs> merit. See what I did there? Okay. Anyway, on August 26, 1920, the Deering cleared the Virginia Capes bound for Rio. But Captain Merritt soon fell seriously ill and the Deering turned back and put into port of Lewis, Delaware to drop off Merritt and his son. The daring Company recruited Captain Willis B. Wormel, a retired 66-year-old veteran sea captain who replaced him on the voyage to Brazil. Charles B. McLean was hired on as his, his first mate.
0: How do we feel about the name Willis B. Wormel? I, uh, you know, it's kind of a... What you talking about, Willis? Name, I guess she, Nah, dude. What you talking about, Willis? This is the first thing I thought about was like, <laughs> well, What you talking about, Willis? Sorry.
1: Oh Lord. It's all right. Um, where was I? The Deering, with Warmel in command, set sail for Rio on September 8, 1920. After arriving there, delivering its cargo without incident, Warmel gave his crew leave and met with Captain with a Captain Goodwin, an old friend who captain another cargo vessel that was docked in Rio. Wormel spoke of his crew with with disdain, though he claimed to trust the engineer, Herbert Bates, with whom Goodwin was also acquainted. The Deering left Rio on December 2nd, 1920, and stopped for supplies in Barbados. First mate, McClellan, got a little bit on the intoxicated side. Whoopee! Um... Yeah, in town and complained to captain Hugh Norton of the snow that he could not discipline the crew without Wormel interfering and that he had to do all the navigation owing to Wormel's poor eyesight. Later, captain Norton, his first mate and another captain were in the continental cafe and heard McClellan say, I'll get the captain before we get to Norfolk. I will mcclellan was arrested in a drunken state but on january 9th Wormell forgave him and bailed him out of jail and they set sail for hampton roads there's a reason we're going through the whole thing here because okay, i got has a question for you real
0: quick so he's blaming the one that he had to do the navigation because of the guy's poor eyesight navigation mm-hmm. is done like on a map that is, like, in front of you with, like, dials and knobblies and things like that. Not, like, you're not, like, looking out at the sea being, like, turn left at the wave. Like. Well, maybe his poor eyesight was,
1: I don't know. Yeah, like. I don't know. It sounded like he was just complaining to be complaining. Right. Like, I am first mate. I should have more respect. Go fuck yourself. Yeah.
0: If you want more respect, become a captain. Also, people at sea are supposed to get drunk. What else are you going to do? You're surrounded by a bunch right? of penis. exactly. <laughs> so the
1: ship was sighted
0: by the Cape Lookout
1: lightship off of North Carolina, North Carolina, Carolina. North Carolina on January 28, 1921. When the Deering hailed it, the lightship's keeper, Captain Jacobson, reported that a tall, thin lightship? man with reddish hair and a foreign accent speaking through a megaphone told him that the mess. The stop it. Okay, try that again. The light ship's keeper, Captain Jacobson, reported that a tall, thin man with reddish hair and a foreign accent speaking through a megaphone told him that the vessel had lost its anchors in a storm off Cape Fear and asked the ship's owners, the G.G. Deering Company, be notified. Jacobson took note of this, but his radio was out, so he was unable to report it.
0: There's a lot of people here. I'm so lost. <laughs> like okay. we got we got Hormel and McClellan and then the other guy and then there's the ship that's the Deering, who's Carla or Carl Carla Charlotte. It's the Carol the no, Carol. Carol.
1: A. Deering, right, Deering is the name of the ship.
0: And then we got the
1: Yeah. Merritt and his son Seawall okay. were the first captain and first mate. Right. But because Merritt fell ill, him and his son got off the boat, which is how
0: Wormel came in. Right. Wormel and McClellan. Oh, Wormel, not Hormel. That's, yes. that's stew. Not not pepperoni. Wormel. <laughs> oh, I was thinking Hormel likes a stew. Oh, no, that's a <sighs> Dinty Moore. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Moving on with
1: the story. So now we got a grocery store, the bad. ship back up outside of North Carolina. Okay, wait, hang um, on. At- What's a light ship? A light ship are... They're connected with the lighthouse somehow. I don't know. Matt explained it to me, but basically these guys don't go as far out. They're kind of like a. So it's like a floating lighthouse. Kind of, sort of. They they do keep a lookout around the lighthouses. Hmm. I don't know if it's to help guide boats in or what, but thanks for holding that in. You're welcome. So anyway. All right. um, Let's see. Where were we at? So he was unable to report it. He also noticed that the crew seemed to be milling about on the quarter deck of the ship, an area where they were usually not allowed. Excuse me. The following afternoon, the crew of another vessel transitioning the area spotted the deering sailing a course that would take it directly onto the Diamond Shoals. They, however saw no one on the ship's deck and attempted to hail the schooner, assuming her crew would spot the Cape Hatteras lighthouse or the diamond shoals Lightship and change course to avoid wrecking on the shoals. Good and idea. that was on January 28th, 1921. On January 31st, 1921, the Carol A. Deering was sighted at dawn uh, by a lookout that was on duty at the Coast Guard station at Cape Hatteras the vessel was hard aground with all the sails set on the outer edge of the diamond shoals. Now I actually had to have Matt explain that to me because I'm not a sailor. I'm not a boatsman. I don't, I know dick all about sailing. Yeah. You can ask me which is is the stern
0: and which is the bow. And I'll be like, I can, I can tell you the stern, the
1: bow and port and starboard. Thank you. Yes.
0: Yes. You can do starboard, but you don't know the word.
1: You I, I wanted to say starburst and I knew that wasn't it my brain wasn't working okay so it says that the vessel was hard aground with all sails set on the outer edge of the diamond shoals so diamond shoals are is the shoal the, the it's the shallow area where boats can't go in front of a lighthouse so a shore? it'll run up on the rocks yeah well they're called shoals because it's kind of like a coral reef. Almost, they're really shallow, rocky Boats not shores. Yes, okay. can't go on there. But not
0: like a sandy so,
1: shore. No, it's not a sandy shore. Shoals are different. Okay, so they
0: shoal off. I had
1: to, yeah, <laughs> I had to ask Matt. I was like, "So the sails were set, so they were down," and he's like, "No, you have to think about it in the opposite direction. When they're set, it means they're closed." Hey. So hopefully we didn't just lose all
0: of that recording. No, we didn't. Okay. I just paused I just paused the recording and just resumed it. Oh, perfect. Yeah, no, it's it's it, it saves all of our recording online. Nicely. Yeah, okay. so we don't lose any. Of I it. just
1: I had to refresh the page. The page. Um okay, so where were we?
0: Um you said set means they're closed. Yes. And I said, huh?
1: Yeah, that's, that's what I said too. Um, He sail, said when they're with all sails set on the outer edge, I'm sorry, set meant they're open. I thought that it meant that they're closed. It actually meant that they're open. Cause like, I was like, I thought in order for sailboats to go, like the canvas has to be open and the wind has to be caught in it. And he said, yes. So that that's, so that's, so
0: means that the sails are down, yes. like opened up. Okay. Yes. That does make sense.
1: Yes. I, I know I had to. It, it sounded backwards to me. It it was just really weird. But anyway, so the sails were opened so that the boat could propel forward. But it propelled it forward right into the shoals outside of Cape Hatteras. Okay. So anyway, um, and that was uh, let's see, the thirty first of January, nineteen twenty one. So um, let's see, the vessel was hard aground. Okay, these. Wait a minute. Where was I? To where are the people? I don't know. We're going to get there. Um, These shoals that extended offshore from Cape Hatteras, North Carolina have been notorious as a common site of shipwrecks for centuries and are known as the graveyard of the Atlantic rescue ships were unable to approach the vessel owning, owing to bad weather. The ship was not boarded until February 4th after being battered by the surf for several days. So, Almost a week, this thing has been ran aground, but they just couldn't get to it because of the weather. Right. And it became clear that the schooner had been completely abandoned. Her steering wheel equipment was found to be damaged with the wheels shattered and the binnacle box stove in and the rudder rudder disengaged from its stock. So I had to ask what those were also. I mean, the wheel is obvious, but a binner box is where all your navigational equipment is. It's a tall stand. It almost looks like a stovepipe. That comes out of the floor and it protects all of the electrical equipment that they use for navigation so that's what a bitter box is i had to ask also um and then the rudder um being disengaged from its stock so they had no steering so oh. what the hell um the ship's log and the navigation equipment were completely gone along with the crew's personal effects and the ship's two lifeboats In the vessel's galley, it appeared that certain foodstuffs were being prepared for the next day's meal at the time of the abandonment. The Coast Guard cutter Manning attempted to salvage the Carol A. Deering, but found this impossible. The vessel was declared a hazard to navigation and was destroyed using dynamite on March 4th to prevent it from becoming a danger to other vessels. A portion of the ship's bow later drifted ashore on Oak Please forgive me, North Carolina. It's Okrakoke Island. Wooden timbers from the wreck also washed ashore on the Hatter- on Hatteras Island and were used by local residents to build their houses. Okay, that's like you go bringing North Carolina. That's like bringing Annabelle the doll in your house as a decoration. That's a I stupid mean,
0: fucking idea. Doesn't <laughs> Zach Zach Bagelbites have that as his? She does. Have he. that like in some building where he's like, Oh, look, I've got all the haunted shit in here and I'm gonna bring Little Miss Deathball in here too. Uh, yeah, the dumbass.
1: Actually, no. Anna he is. Annabelle is not with Zach. He is actually with the Warren's great nephew or oh, great grandnephew yeah, in the their museum back east. Yes. But Zach Megans oh, does have He has Robert the Doll. Yes. He does have that in his museum in Las Vegas. He's got his odd, weird oddities museum, but he's yeah. got like
0: some mirror.
1: Yes, he he's got a lot of haunted stuff, um, including the Dybbuk box.
0: Yeah, the Dybbuk box. Yeah. So and he's anyway, got some haunted mirror. And... Yeah, I'm I'm
1: sorry. I I if I ever built my own house, I'm not using it off of a ship that was wrecked and nobody knows what's happened to its. Crew.
0: crew no
1: no I mean, that's, that's not coming like, in my house that's
0: just bad juju like yeah no no like no just no
1: okay so um the last okay so those were my three ghost ships i did three ghost ships and then i did three maritime mysteries that nobody knows about Okay. Or that very few people know about. So that was my last ghost ship story. Okay. Those ones are always very interesting. Again, I think it'd be extremely creepy to find one of those. Right. Um, I I do not volunteer as tribute, but it's not just ghost ships that, that happen on the ocean, the open ocean, like you said, it's so vast and so deep. It's kind of like the human brain. I think we only have like 10% of it mapped uh, the ocean floor and
0: stuff like that. So I have a question before we go into the next portion. Mm. Um, what exactly does the word maritime mean? Because like, I like I was thinking marine time, like, because it's the ocean. But you said maritime and I'm like. Yes, it's like, maritime. <laughs> no. Or nightmare. I'm like. I'm trying to break this down to figure it out. And like, I'm like, I'm going to sound like an uneducated swine. So. <laughs> okay. So maritime
1: is um, anything having to do with the sea. It's connected with the sea, especially in relation to seafaring commercial or military activity.
0: Oh, so. Okay. Just, it, it literally just doesn't make sense. All
1: right. Yeah. It, it's just one of that. those words that we decided, hey, <laughs> let's associate it with that.
0: Okay, because (laughs) I don't know. It's like we call our pinky toe a pinky toe, and it's not pink. Valid,
1: right? Exactly. Why do we park on driveways and drive on parkways? That kind of stuff. Exactly. Nobody knows. Okay, so these are my three maritime mysteries, and this first one, Matt and I, like, we just kept rabbit holing down it because he helped me with some of these. Him, you know, being a sailor and whatnot. Um all the men in the, all the militaries, I pick a fucking sailor. Love you, babe. <laughs> I know. My dad. My dad could be disappointed, but he's like, hey, you picked a military man. I can't be really mad at you.
0: <laughs> but let me tell you, every year when the Navy and the Army play. I mean, I ended up with a uh, not doctor computer nerd. Yeah, that works. Yeah. That tracks. Okay, so this one
1: is called The Sarah jo. Um Sarah And jo. it's not only about the boat, it's also about the men. So there are a lot it's of... about the men. I know. There are a lot of Hawaiian and Polynesian names I am going to fuck up. So please... For a second I thought you were going to say it's about the hobo. So
0: it's all good. No,
1: please forgive me because I'm going to screw up these names. Okay. So the Sarah Jo, um, it doesn't specifically... Oh, yeah. She is a small craft with an 85 horsepower engine. So she's not huge. She's she's just like a a little skiff. Yeah. Um, She leaves Maui, Hawaii on February 11th, 1979 with five souls on board. The five men you know what, just to save face, I'm going to go ahead and give their first names. Ralph, 27, Scott, also 27, Benjamin, 38, Patrick, 26, and Peter, 31.
0: Sounds like Those good are our five crew.
1: players. Yeah. Without many supplies, the five piled into the small craft, which had an 85-horsepower engine and set out mid-morning from Hana Bay Boat Ramp. Punk beds,
0: I get on top.
1: <laughs> One of the women said her husband... Quote, wasn't really a fisherman, but the group was strong and healthy and all had water experience of swimming, surfing, diving and paddling. I mean, if these guys were born and raised on Hawaii, then they they lived in the water. Most people over there do. So by 1 p.m., the wind headed Greece, excuse me, had increased to a gale by evening. The squall was, quote unquote, chaos. So out of nowhere, a huge storm rolled in.
0: So we're um. looking at like Moana style went past the reef. Yes. Yes. Got it. Exactly.
1: So um, the wife recalls being on Hana pier, searching for the horizon for her husband. She called the police that afternoon and the U S coast guard was notified. A group of Hana men went out and searched that night on larger boats. Some reported their vessel. And this makes me kind of want to vomit. Their vessel went vertical with 40 feet in 40 foot waves, according to the Maui news story published in 2009. Yeah. And that is why I don't ever want to go on a cruise because I'm going to hit one of those big storms and the vessel's going to dip and the bow's going to go under the water and I'm going to pee and possibly die a little.
0: Yeah. My motion sickness just kicked in and I'm sitting on a, on yeah. a stationary <laughs> chair. Blech. Yeah.
1: Yuck. No. No. <laughs> No, um. So when Robert searched, right? Just, just breathe. It's gonna be okay. So when Robert Malakini searched via boat the following day near the Big Island, he said that he met John Naughton, a National Marine Fisheries Service researcher.
0: John Naughton, find him. (laughs)
1: he asked Naughton and anyone nearby to look for the missing Sarah Joe. And you would think that that would be true, but he actually did find them. Well, somebody found them and he was a part of it. Um, So the coast guard called off his search after about five days, a massive community search via land, air, and water ensued. People combed the coastlines of neighboring islands. The Hana community rallied days and weeks passed with no word of the Sarah Joe then years passed. Then a strange turn of events brought everything back nearly a decade later with the discovery in the Marshall Islands. In 1988, so just under 10 years later, Naughton, who helped with the immediate search, was doing research on Tango- Tanogi atoll in the northern part of the Marshall Islands located about 2200 miles southeast of Hawaii now I don't know what an atoll is but I'm guessing it's just a small uninhabited island from yeah, what it sounds like that I know um
0: and it's so, atoll
1: atoll is that how you pronounce
0: it yeah, atoll yeah
1: I probably screwed up Taonge. oh it's taongi that's how you pronounce it
0: <laughs> I yeah it wrong, I only it? know that because I heard about um an atoll from uh conspiracy theories So, yeah. And I heard the word atoll a lot. (laughs) Okay.
1: So he spotted an embattled boat with a Hawaiian registry on the hull and later said he immediately thought of the Sarah Joe. He could hardly believe it, according to the Maui News Report. It was later confirmed to be the missing vessel. I think I should have started with this, but I forgot. The Sarah Joe, this was the story from Unsolved Mysteries because it's still unsolved. This was, yeah, we got it off of the unsolved mysteries website and this is the full story of it. Um, so it was later confirmed to be the missing vessel. Bones were found buried nearby in a simple grave on the uh, uh, atoll, 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 uh, which tests revealed later to be those of Scott, one of the men that was on the Sarah Joe. The grave was considered, or covered with stones and with a cross made out of driftwood. Nearby was what looked like a blank pad of notepaper interleaved with aluminum foil. It appears that the boat and Scott had made it there, but raised a whole new set of questions. In 1989, television's Unsolved Mysteries recreated the Sarah Joe story with many from the Hannah Search Party portraying themselves people hoped publicity would draw out information about the bones or the boat. Um, In 1990, Robert Malachini, along with the friend and former TV host Harry Kojima of Let's Go Fishing and Hawaiian private investigator Steve Goodnow traveled to the atoll to conduct their own search. Goodnow theorized that Chinese fishers could have found Scott's body but didn't tell anyone because they were fishing there illegally. In 2009... Oh, a 2009 Honolulu Star Bulletin report said, The paper symbolizes good luck in the afterlife for some in the Chinese and Taiwanese cultures, but the cross is not part of that culture. Some believe Scott was alive when Sarah Jo reached the atoll. Others believe he tied himself to the boat to weather the storm, dying before he reached land. In Hana, the stories of what happened between Hana Bay and the Marshall Islands were fast and varied, including psychics telling family members which crewmates fell overboard first. In truth, there are more questions than answers and we may never know. Wow. So. Only one one person made it to the island? They don't know that. It's really weird because from what I understand, nobody else has been heard or seen from since then. And that particular, the Taeyongi Atoll was searched within the first couple of weeks of these guys going missing. Okay, But it wasn't until 10 years later that they found this grave that DNA then confirmed was Scott. So where was he and where is everybody else and who the hell buried him and the Chinese The the paper is very interesting having aluminum foil in between these sheets of paper. Yeah, that's weird. That that is very weird. So that is the mystery of the Sarah Joe and the Honolulu Islands and Marshall Islands, and nobody really knows. That's weird. Where these guys went to. Hmm. Anyway, so that was that. Um this Give me just a second. I need to make this larger because I cannot read this print. And I thought that I had done that already. My
0: apologies. That's okay. I forgive you.
1: Okay. So here is one that you and I have talked about. It is definitely considered a maritime mystery. Excuse me. I'm bumping my mic, but it could also be a military mystery because we are talking about the USS Eldridge and the Philadelphia experiment. Ah yes. So allegedly, I mean, that's that's a whole podcast in and of itself. I know, but we're just going to touch on it briefly. And if we go back later in more detail, that's perfectly fine. Okay. Um. So allegedly in the fall of 1943, a U.S. Navy destroyer was made invisible and teleported from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania to Norfolk, Virginia, in an incident known as the Philadelphia Experiment. Records in the archives branch of the Naval History and Heritage Command have been repeatedly searched, but no documents have been located which confirm the event or in any interest by the Navy in attempting such an achievement. So a lot of people have heard about this. A lot of people know about this. But big surprise here, it's absolutely not in any naval archive at all. And what's really funny about it, Is we actually had to do a lot of deep diving and searching to even find out the basics because all it would say when you type in the Philadelphia experiment on Wikipedia is that it was a hoax.
0: Well, of course.
1: That's all it says. Anywhere you want to read about the Philadelphia experiment, the first thing it says is that it's a
0: hoax. Well, of course. So I find that very interesting. I mean, it's never you're never going to find any documentation anywhere clunk 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 um you're never going to find any documentation on any accessible website database informational anything that the government is going to back up saying that they made a ship a invisible b teleport or c go through space and time
1: right exactly
0: because the government ain't going to admit to that (sighs) okay
1: okay so, there are stories that the crew had lost time. Um, some were found dead of undetermined causes, and others were reported to have literally melded with the whole of the ship, like parts of their body were melded into the ship. I want to see I know, right? These stories have been heard from sailors, merchants, and even the general public. People in Norfolk advised they watched as a quote unquote green like fog. Rolled in and suddenly there was a ship. It remained there for over an hour and then just quickly vanished. The other thing about it is is the discrepancies in the timeline because people in Philadelphia said that the ship disappeared for a couple of minutes. The people in Norfolk said that when it appeared, it stayed there for well over an hour, the people on the shore said. But from the reports, what they believe were reports from the sh- sailors actually on the Eldridge, was they were out there for a couple of hours. Possibly maybe even a full day. They didn't know. there. There's no conception and no proof of exactly the timeline of right. this. Um, so... The Office of Naval Research has stated that the use of force fields to make a ship and her crew invisible does not conform to known physical laws. The ONR also claims that Dr. Albert Einstein's unified field theory was never completed. During 1943-1944, Einstein was a part-time consultant with the Navy's Bureau of Ordnance, undertaking theoretical research on explosives and explosions. There's no indication that Einstein was involved in research relevant to invisibility or teleport- teleportation. Um, sorry, lost my place. The Philadelphia Experiment is also called Project Rainbow. A comprehensive search of the archives has failed to identify records of a project rainbow relating to teleportation or making a ship disappear. In the 1940s, the code name rainbow was referred to the Rome Berlin, Tokyo axis. The rainbow, pl- excuse me, the rainbow plans were the war plans to defeat Italy, Germany, and Japan. Rainbow five, the plan in effect, on December 7th, 1941, when Japan attacked Pearl Harbor, was the plan the U.S. used to fight Axis powers. So they literally used our own plan against us. Way to go, Japan. Um, some researchers have erroneously concluded that de Gaussing has a connection with making an object invisible. Degaussing is a process in which systems of electrical cables are installed around the circumference of a ship's hull, running from bow to stern on both sides. A measured electrical current is passed through these cables to cancel out the ship's magnetic field. Degaussing equipment is installed in the na- in the hull of navy ships and can be turned on whenever the ship was in waters that might contain magnetic mines, usually shallow waters in combat areas. It could be said that degaussing correctly done makes ships invisible to the sensors of magnetic minds, but the ship remains visible to the human eye radar and underwater listening devices.
0: Still with me? Yeah, I'm still with (laughs) you. So here's the question um, or kind of a statement, so to speak, correct me if I'm wrong. So the, the project was project rainbow, right? And that was one of its names. Okay. So, and to make a rainbow, um, Light is reflected or mm-hmm. bent or whatever um through like light is bent through something like water or, or a, a prism. prism and say like a cloud of water droplets around a ship with light in some way, shape or form to make something appear invisible could be an idea of using light to make something look invisible would be the idea of project rainbow bending light to make something look different, Mm -hmm. you know, to, so the way that the human eye works is you don't, you're not actually seeing the color. Mm -hmm. You're seeing the color it reflects. Yes. So the idea of project rainbow would be to make the ship, not reflect anything. Mm -hmm. So Project Rainbow would be to make it so the ship didn't reflect anything. Therefore, Project Rainbow kind of makes sense. Yes. Yes. However, I know right now, Mark is going, (laughs) I,
1: I think Matt is too. But I mean, in all honesty, if a couple of high school graduates from Eastern Oregon can figure this out, I mean, you're still going to try and tell me that you know, I don't know how they do it, but I mean,
0: I mean, there are people who like do theoretical string theory. So Sheldon Cooper made a whole career out of it. Right.
1: He was brilliant. (laughs) He was dead brilliant. Okay. So after many years of searching the staff of the archives and independent researchers have not located any official documents that support the assertion that, an invisibility or teleportation experiment involving a Navy ship occurred at Philadelphia or any other location. So yeah, that is the USS Eldridge and the Philadelphia experiment, which very interesting.
0: Right. And I mean, the government's going to deny it. And I mean, only higher ups are going to know about it. And I mean, sure. They're not going to tell the crew about it. They're just going to stick them on the boat. Totally plausible to me. Of course. Well, I mean, like,
1: how much did they lie to our military guys when they doped them up with LSD and then left them on their own?
0: I mean, they okay. didn't even necessarily do that to the military; they did that to civilians. Yeah. So yay,
1: U.S. And government. Then pushed okay, one of them off a building. They would never do something like that. Uh, no, never. And the CIA doesn't operate on
0: U.S. soil. Nope. And the NSA doesn't stand for no such agency.
1: Right. Okay. So the last one, and this one is going to be, I got to rep the Pacific Northwest because, you know, besides the fact that we literally just found one eyed Willie's pirate ship out of Astoria, holla, holla, still pretty cool. So oh, yeah. this one is titled ghost feet and it's from, uh, you
0: stole my idea. <laughs> You looked up the feet story. It's the feet story. Well,
1: it's a maritime mystery. It's fucked up. It's cool as
0: shit. Again, I'll only briefly touch on it. No, it's all good. Okay. I mean, I'm glad you did it. It's messed up, though. The Pacific Northwest feet, it's like... Gotta
1: love the Pacific Northwest. Okay, so since 2007, nearly two dozen human feet have been found in sneakers completely unattached to bodies on the coast of the Salish Sea. Like, yes, what? it's wow. Salish Sea. Took me a minute to work on that one. Do Sally sell she shells by the seashore? Of the Salish Sea. Salish Sea fuck it anyway authorities in Let's many cases, right <laughs> authorities in many cases have been able to link the body parts to people involved in accidents or suicides um and one expert explains it likely has to do with how sea scavengers break down bodies and modern sneakers designs there have been a string of disturbing findings on beaches in British Columbia and Washington state for more than a decade Uh, Do they
0: not like the shoes they're wearing? I
1: I don't know. And they decide they're going to cut their own feet off and do... I don't know. Um, So since 2007, nearly two dozen human feet have been found in sneakers completely unattached. Um, One or... Uh, One of the more recent discoveries occurred in Everett, Washington uh, as recently as 2019 when beachgoers discovered a human foot inside a shoe on New Year's Day.
0: Happy New Year. Yeah. Oh, God, and that was right before COVID, too. Right?
1: Um, That's probably what started COVID. We're going to blame that.
0: Um, Oh, my God, it probably is because (laughs) Washington is where it started over. It came over. Oh, there you go. While the strange phenomenon may
1: may prompt wild speculation of some kind of murder on the loose, authorities in many cases have been able to link the body parts to people involved in accidents or suicides, as the discoveries have become more common over recent years. But why are the feet emerging from the depths to make their way back to land? Well, maybe they miss home. You never know. I mean,
0: what kind of suicide are you doing that you lop your foot off? I don't know. Okay. Karan, suicide by foot.
1: Suicide by foot. Karan Raj is a surgeon with the National Health Services in the United Kingdom, in the United Kingdom, who has more than 4 million TikTok followers, explains it has to do with how sea scavengers break down bodies and modern sneaker designs. So let he me... He's from the a- UK. He don't understand our ocean. Let Let me ask you this. Is that now, like... All you have to do to become an expert is have more than a million TikTok followers. Doesn't matter that this man is a fucking surgeon. What's important is that he's got four million TikTok followers. I mean,
0: there's a pug that's got that many TikTok followers. Maybe he can answer questions about feet. I mean, he probably licks some toes.
1: Noodles passed, though. It's a no bones Mm. day. It's a no bones day. Okay. It was actually because of the footwear industry. When human corpse sinks to the bottom of the ocean, it's quickly set upon by scavengers. These scavengers are what they call lazy feeders. They prefer to tackle some parts of our body with the tough grizzly bits. Some of the softest parts of us are the soft tissues and ligaments around our ankles.
0: Oh my god, you said lazy feeders. And I thought you said lazy feeters. I'm no, <laughs> <So> like <feed. laughs> Like what? They're just lazy and they don't want the feet? Yeah, yeah, apparently. They're
1: just like that's it.
0: Take the cannoli,
1: leave the guns. <laughs> lazy feeders. Lazy feeders.
0: I mean so, you can see my mistake.
1: Yes um raj said scavengers can take the feet off of the rest of the body fairly quickly the reason it's happened more since 2007 is due to the change in sneaker design over the last few decades shoes have become more buoyant as a result we could see we could be seeing more severed feet wash up on the shores
0: god i hope not
1: me too. I'm I'm not looking forward
0: to it. Is it like because to... they have the air pump in the tongue, the feet just bob along more?
1: It, it's a good possibility, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's the Pacific Northwest feet that we seem to keep getting
0: washed up on our shores. Okay, but here's a question. Mm. How come they wash up on the Pacific Northwest shores and no other fucking shores? It's because
1: of accidents or suicides off of bridges.
0: Pe- people's bodies that go into the water nobody else commits suicide anywhere else they what are they saying that people in the pacific northwest are just more sad no they do
1: but we have a lot of bottom feeders out here a lot of cold water bottom feeders things like
0: crabs true stuff so here's like that. something that i learned the hard way growing up in the pacific northwest i had accidentally tasted ocean water at the pacific northwest <laughs> coast At Cannon Beach, at Seaside, whatever. You know, had water splashed at you. You know, a little bit of that ocean water. It's not that salty there. You know? Yeah. Tastes like water. Not salty. Uh, I don't know. I consider it salty, but... It's a little salty. Not that salty. Because you've got the Columbia River dumping right there. Yeah. So it's not that bad. For our honeymoon when Mark and I got married, we went to Jamaica. And I went snorkeling. And my snorkel one time came out of my mouth. And I got a mouthful of water. And I am about horked. <laughs> Cause I will tell you what, it is literally like taking a salt shaker and going, sticking your tongue on a salt lick. <laughs> oh like- my god. It is the most vile water that you have ever put in your mouth. It is like oh my god, it is so bad. Disgusting. I, was just like, I was like, <coughs> it was so bad. I was like, Mark, the water here is really salty. He's like, it's ocean water. I was like, but it's so salty. I was like, I've only ever had Pacific Ocean. <laughs> it's a little salty, but like, I mean, it's like, it's like margarita salty. All Like that's how salty the Pacific Ocean is to me, or at least up by Cannon Beach and stuff. It's not that salty. It's like eh, eh, I mean, you know, eh, little. It's not that bad. But like, oh my God, don't ever, don't ever accidentally have some Jamaican water get in your mouth. You will die. You will die a thousand fiery, salty deaths.
1: I don't want to die a thousand fiery salty deaths. However,
0: I do highly recommend someday going to an all-inclusive resort in Jamaica. All right. I 100% recommend it because there is nothing more pampering in your life because literally between, I want to say three o'clock and nine o'clock, eight o'clock in the morning, you have to pour your own alcohol from your own stock mini bar. Okay. Other than that, there are bars available to you the whole time. There are several little mini restaurants for you to go to a different dining experience the entire time you're there and not a single time do you have to put the napkin on your own lap.
1: I will never be able to afford a place like that. But it
0: is I will much be
1: happy to tell you for you to tell me all about your honeymoon over and over again. It is much more affordable than you actually think.
0: An all inclusive I can't even afford my heat right now. If you save up you can do it. I think you could do it i i think you could do it. maybe someday we'll do it. you know what when we become famous podcasters we'll save up and do it together and we'll take a okay. girl's trip okay i'll take it you hear that podcast world we would like someday we're gonna start a patreon and y'all bitches are gonna pay for our trip to sandals yes we're gonna go to jamaica and we're gonna have a good time yes that'll be fun yes someone pay for our trip to jamaica okay Through yes patreon. we're gonna have a $20 tier (laughs) right where we send you stickers right (laughs) right uh sure so those are my stories those are my maritime mysteries and ghost ships great I thoroughly enjoyed myself I love them I they're so spooky like and like I've seen pictures of like the scary looking ship like the giant sea ships covered in the ice and the snow and oh so freaky looking just like the ocean is just so big and scary and i (sighs) mean we didn't even touch
1: on things like the bermuda triangle or the great lakes mysteries those are just those are stories all in themselves all on their own so maybe stand by and we
0: might do those in the future we shall see i think so so um we got our usual spielie to go through for the end of our pod pod podcast podcast. podcast. Hey, have you seen any new movies or anything lately? Uh, I did
1: watch Strange World on Disney that? Plus. That was actually really quite cute. I mm-hmm. didn't expect to like it as much as I did, but it was really cute. There was a lot of lessons in it, and it was Disney's first gay male relationship.
0: Oh, so. Uh-
1: That was really precious to watch. Um, Trista was all about it. Uh, And today after the podcast, I am going to watch, um, what is it called? It's the new Edgar Allan Poe movie on Netflix.
0: Oh, I've heard about that.
1: Blue-eyed something, blue-eyed, blue-eyed something. Yeah. Anyway, with uh, Christian Christian. Bale. Oh. I'm going Mm. to watch that as soon as we get off while I wait for my lunch. Nice. Good times. So that's what I've watched. All right. Oh, well, I just started watching The Midnight Club on Netflix. Have you seen that? Oh,
0: no,
1: I know you don't. You don't like scary movies, but nope, it's chicken. by the writers of uh, The House on Haunted Hill. Mm. Um, yeah, it's actually really interesting, and it's set up in Seattle, so I can't really hate. Good times
0: yeah all right well if anyone would like to find us on our socials you can find us on instagram or twitter we are at like rabbit holes um and if you would like to submit any stories to us to research and read about to you we can read you a story you can email us at like at at gmail.com please feel free to drop us a review on apple it really helps us out if you'd like you can also follow us by clicking that follow button to see when we update we update Every Wednesday at noon o'clock. So we're there for your lunchtime fun and frolic. <laughs> that rock star is really kicking me in the face right now. Okay. <laughs> Should I maybe mention that that's my second one today? Oh, yeah. All right. As always, wherever you are, have a wonderful morning, afternoon. Oh, shit. I did that backwards. It's the first time I fucked it up. <laughs> Let me do that again. As always, wherever you are, have a wonderful morning, night, or afternoon. Take care of yourself and take care of each other.